This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A defensive clinic. The Baylor Bears out of the Big 12 Conference are headed to the Elite Eight. Baylor, their fifth trip to the Elite Eight, the first since 2012. Remember, they have not reached a Final Four since 1950. They've never won a national championship. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network. PointsBet is giving customers the power to choose their own bad beat refund for March College Basketball. Send them your bad beat for college basketball between today and April 5th that you would like refunded after the tournament. Your bet will be refunded in free bets up to $50. This is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. We're on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, and let's bring in Mike Rutherford at Card Chronicle on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. He's a publisher of CardChronicle.com and a college hoops analyst. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be careful, Mike, not to throw a wet blanket. There was excitement over the weekend. We got one really good game each day. But are we allowed to be a little disappointed that uh, in the Elite Eight, we've got two point spreads of seven and a half, an eight point spread, and a nine point spread? Yeah, I, I think that in every tournament, you kind of have to sacrifice one weekend to the basketball gods. You know, if you get all of these crazy upsets in the first weekend, you're probably going to get a handful of dud matchups in the second weekend. And then you sort of have to hope that chalk prevails and you get a, a Titanic final four. Uh, on the flip side, if you get all these fantastic sweet 16 and, and elite eight matchups, it usually means that you had a pretty chalky opening weekend, not a whole lot of double digit seeds advancing and just kind of a, a boring first four days of the tournament. So I feel like something has to give somewhere and this is kind of this is the deal you make uh, with the March gods, and I think that's what we're going through right now. Because, like you said, both Sweet 16 days kind of followed the exact same recipe. Where the third game of the day was fantastic, and the other three were just kind of lopsided affairs. And that's really, I mean, it's not all the matchups. Florida State laid an egg yesterday. Um, some of the other teams that we expected to be more competitive just were not. And as a result, we've had uh, a couple of fairly uninteresting days of basketball here. Mike, from what you saw uh, over the weekend, who do you think gives Gonzaga their best run, or who do you think gives them the best shot? I like – I think Michigan can give them a real game, and I think that way for totally unscientific reasons, which is exactly what you the way you have to think, I believe, in March. Here's my, here's my case for Michigan winning the national title. And, again, this has nothing to do with analysis or stats or anything logical. <laughs> but the last two times where we've had a dominant conference that has kind of totally flopped over the first couple of weekends. It was the Big East back in 2011 when they got a, a record number of teams and only two of the 11 made the Sweet 16. And then the ACC back in, uh, in 2017 where eight of their nine teams were out after the first weekend. Both those times, the last team standing from those conferences won the national title. Uh, it was Carolina in, in 2017 and then UConn with the fantastic Kemba Walker run back in 2011. So, that's my case for Michigan. Again, totally unscientific, 
but take it to the bank. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we can't get too deep in a Sweet 16 conversation that as we enter the Elite Eight tonight without talking about what we've seen out of the Pac-12, man. I mean, how many brackets do you have to fill out before you put three Pac-12 teams here in the Elite Eight? A 12-2 and record, 10 wins by double digits. You give me 100 shots, Mike. I don't think I'm putting three Pac-12 teams here. I had one in my Elite Eight, and I felt like I was being overly generous. And it was Oregon who, you know, ended up not, not even making it. So uh, it is not looking around. I mean, I would have if you had given me odds on Oregon State, you couldn't given you couldn't have given me a number three weeks ago that would have you know led me to wager fifty cents on the Beavers. I thought that team was uh, an absolute nothing. And the craziest thing about their run right now is. If you go back to their first Pac-12 tournament game, they played UCLA in the quarterfinals. They're down 16 in that game. If that game just plays out the way it was looking like it was going to, that's a totally unremarkable end to a totally unremarkable season. Nobody thinks twice about Wayne Tinkle or uh, the Beavers or anything about Oregon State basketball. And now instead, they've won their first game in the NCAA tournament in over four decades. It's only the second appearance in the NCAA tournament since 1990. It's just a, a remarkable run, and I really don't know how they're doing it because even when they're, they've beaten the three teams they played relatively handily, and they haven't looked overly impressive in any of those games, I just don't know what to think. But at this point, if they beat Houston by 14 tonight in like a 62-48 uh, just slugfest, who's going to be shocked? Nothing, nothing that these three teams in this conference uh, do moving forward is going to shock anybody. Mike, sticking with Oregon State and Houston, anything that you see, anything that you like in that matchup tonight in that game? I mean, I feel like we're still sleeping on Houston. They've been one of the best teams in college basketball, especially defensively all season long. Do you see any value betting this game tonight? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like anything about this game just because I hate both these teams. Like, I, I can't put it any more <laughs> than that. Like, Houston, I, I, I feel like they want to do this whole redemption type deal. Like, we were the two seed that nobody was talking about. People thought we weren't going to make it out of the first weekend. And yeah, I get it. But I still feel like the public does not believe in this Cougar team whatsoever. And I, I kind of understand why. Like they, they should have been beaten by Rutgers in the second round. They haven't looked, outside of blowing Cleveland State out, they still haven't looked overly impressive. Quentin Grimes has been pretty good. Uh, Dejan, Deron uh, Giroux has been fantastic, especially on defense. Really locked down there in the last game. But there's still just nothing overly attractive about them. They're less exciting than they've been the last two years. Those teams which had a heartbreaking March moment. It almost does kind of feel like a karmic deal where they've paid their dues with that buzzer-beating loss to Michigan and Jordan Poole a few years ago, and then the loss to Kentucky, Tyler Hero in the last second uh, the year after that. It feels like they kind of put in their dues now, and they've gotten this dream draw, and they've gotten a couple of breaks, and they got the, the miracle finish against Rutgers. But still, there's, just, there's nothing that really stands out about them. And Oregon State, I already mentioned, I, I think they're just a, a, a whatever team. It's a great story, but they're not really something <laughs> to watch. I, that game, I just don't know. It, it's going to be a slog. <laughs> With Mike Rutherford at Card Chronicle on Twitter, publisher of CardChronicle.com, College Hoops analyst. This is BetQL Daily, Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat. All right, it, it's still March and madness happens, but we, we talked about these outsides point spreads what is more likely in these four elite eight matchups all four favorites move on or i'm just asking for one one of these big dogs oregon state arkansas ucla usc advance 
I think that's a great question. I, I think I think one's going to win. Um, I'm shocked that the Baylor Arkansas point spread is that high. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to call the Arkansas upset, but I'll, I, I think Arkansas has got a really good puncher stance in that game. Um, they haven't played their best basketball, I think, in this tournament so far. They look, you know, I, I think okay against Texas Tech. They weren't great against Oral Roberts. I think you're, you're going to see that shooting come around a little bit. I think they also play a style that matches up pretty favorably against Baylor. They won't try to do anything differently against the Bears. They'll try to play their game and beat them at it. And Baylor, you know, as good as they were in the second half against uh, Villanova, that's still a Villanova team that was very walking wounded. They, they took advantage of the fact that Nova did not have a, a true point guard without Colin Gillespie, forced them into a bunch of turnovers. I think there was one uh, point in time in that second half where uh, Nova had turned the ball over five straight times. And a couple of those weren't forced. I don't know if that's truly indicative of how well Baylor played in that game, that final margin of 11 points. I would not be shocked. I, I'll be surprised if Arkansas doesn't cover that seven and a half point spread. And I would not be shocked if they won that game. I think USC also is a, a little bit of a tough matchup for Gonzaga. Uh, I know the Zags are absolutely rolling over everybody right now. But Evan Mobley is, uh, I mean, you saw the dunk last night. He, he is an absolute stud. And they have the type of size and length that Gonzaga has not gone up against, really even with their vaunted non-conference schedule. They haven't faced a team quite like USC just yet. I think they could give them problems. And at this point, UCLA, you know, why not? <laughs> Coming out of the first four, I don't know how Mick Cronin's doing this. Uh, nothing they would do would surprise me either. So I would, I would put my money on at least one upset out of these last four games here. Which one, if you have to put those that put that money down right now, like you look at Gonzaga and they've won 20 plus games, something like that by double digits. Yesterday I did jump on Creighton just because that number 13 and a half goes to 13. You think, okay, that's a lot of points for an NCAA tournament game. Tomorrow, USC is nine point dogs. Is that a number that you would touch? Is that good value right there against this Gonzaga team? Or, you know, do you just see them just continuing to beat teams by double digits? Because I agree. I think a dog's going to win or at least keep one of these games close. But I don't know if I could fade Gonzaga right now the way that they're beating up on teams. Yeah, it's a terrible draw for USC because I do feel like if they played any other team in the Elite Eight, even Baylor or Michigan, the other ones he's still alive, I would feel like they would have a really good chance to pull an upset. I still think they have a chance against Gonzaga. It's just significantly lower than it would be against any other team in the field. And I, I mean, if they were playing any of the other non-number one seeds, I think I would just outright pick them because they are rolling right now. I think it's still it's a dangerous matchup for Gonzaga. I don't know if Andy Enfield's going to bust out the same 2-3 zone that we saw for most of the night last night against Oregon. But if he does, I mean, Gonzaga, outside of Corey Kispert, they shoot the ball well enough, but it's still a game where if you've got the Mobleys running at you on the wings, if you've got Isaiah White running at you on the wings, they haven't seen that type of size, that type of length contesting shots uh, so far in this tournament, really so far this this entire season. I think USC can at least keep that close if they can find enough offense. And Gonzaga, you know, they're going to try to get up and down, and USC is going to try to slow it down. I think USC can impose their will on Gonzaga better than just any other team left in the field. But if you're asking me who I would put my money on, which I'm this last four, I'm going back to Arkansas. I think they've got a, a real, real shot tonight against Baylor. All right, very good stuff, uh, Mike Rutherford at Card Chronicle on Twitter. Uh, Mike, you sp- you uh, cover one of the programs considered one of the blue bloods. And yesterday the big opening is filled by Indiana. And you know, I, I'm in big 10 country. My first thought is, okay, 
I mean, really? Should should we still be saying that Indiana is a blue blood? They made the uh they made the title game almost 20 years ago, but they they love to uh hire and fire coaches very quickly. Is Indiana still a prime job or is that just not the case in 2021? I think it's still a prime job. You wouldn't know it based on the way that the last week has gone. Um, but I, I mean, it's still a fun job in that they're one of the top seven programs in the history of the sport. They still, like, they're the show in the state. It's not like taking the job at Ohio State or Texas where you've got a lot of money, you've got good history, but you're always playing second fiddle to football. You are in the spotlight 12 months of the year, every single year at Indiana. And you know, that, that can work both ways. I think with Archie Miller, that was a little bit of a negative. The fans, I think, just if we're being blunt, got on it. He didn't like dealing with them. He didn't like having every movie made overly criticized. And it wound up not playing that out very well, obviously. But with Indiana, if there's one, I guess, saving grace this moment, because you didn't get any of the big names. You didn't get the flashy hire. You didn't get the, the guy people were dreaming of there. But last time you did, and it didn't work out overly well for you. So you, you thought you had the home run higher in Archie Miller. didn't work out well. Now you're settling for option B, option C, whatever option you want to, to believe there. Maybe this is what you needed. Maybe you needed the, the radar guy to come in and get things done. You've also got that lot of helping out a little bit, which, which can't hurt. So, I, I mean, if you're an Indiana fan, you've been tortured enough. Why not believe in something here? Well, Mike, what was the better job, Marquette or Indiana? And what do you think about the fit for Shaka Smart and the hire by Marquette? I think it's a it's a good move for Shaka Smart to go to Marquette just because it's more job security. Texas is a better job than Marquette. But if you have you know a guaranteed three years before you could eventually be fired, you take that every single time over you know coaching every single day, like, like your job's on the line for the next year in Austin which I think is the move that Shaka Smart made. You're seeing more and more coaches do that, kind of taking that life raft when their seat's getting a little bit hot. And it's, I mean, it's just crazy how razor-thin the margin for error is this time of the year in the world of college basketball. If Texas makes a couple more free throws, beats Adeline Christian, maybe goes to the Sweet 16, maybe plays even deeper, Shaka Smart is back to being one of the biggest names in the sport. Texas is rolling. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. They lose that game, and now Shaka's gone. And Texas is, is kind of figuring out what its next move is going to be. Um, I, I still think Texas is a great job. Again, you're always going to be playing second fiddle, but resources, money, all of that stuff is never going to be an issue. It's a fertile recruiting area, so they'll land somebody really good. But uh, Marquette, also a good job. I mean, again, it's an area where basketball is always the focal point. You've won a national title there. You've got good history. You've got great fan support. Uh, I think I can do a really good job there. Mike Rutherford, CardChronicle.com. Mike, enjoy the Elite Eight. Talk again soon. Thanks so much, guys. There's Mike Rutherford. Good stuff. As always from him, uh, that's an interesting comp that you threw at him, Horvat. And I know you're much closer to Marquette, so you guys pay close attention. But when you mention both of those programs, it's bit, I think of, yeah, we've seen two programs that have seen some elite success, right? Yeah. But it's been a really really long time. And these kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old, when you talk to to them about Indiana and Marquette, they're like, what? Yeah. Who? No. Yeah. Why, why, why would I be interested in going to either of those places? Right. And that's what I said today. I was like, you know, 18, 19 years old. Like, do you remember the Indiana glory days? What do you remember? And then no. you know, like, about Marquette though, because Steve Wojciechowski did not win one NCAA tournament game. 
when he was there. Chris Collins has won more tournaments. These kids don't remember Dwayne Wade in college. They remember him in the pros. 